On WSB's Clark Howard. Howard. From Dunwoody to Douglasville. Washington to Woodstock. Whenever and wherever there's there severe weather, a traffic red alert, or breaking news, the WSB 24-hour breaking news center will break in. Depend on it. The Mark Aram Show is performed before a live studio audience. No, I want this town to be near you. No, gray skies ever turn blue. I stand alone. I stand alone. Welcome to the show and a good Friday Eve to you. Mark Aram here, you there. This is the Mark Aram Show. Heard every Monday through Friday, 10 to midnight on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Great way to start your weekend tonight. I like to bring the funny on Fridays, and there are none funnier than my next guest, a Saturday Night, Li- Saturday Night Live legend. <laughs> he is Chris Catan. He is in town to perform at the Atlanta Improv this weekend. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much for having me. And what was the original uh, term you said for Saturday Night Like? Saturday Night Like. I kind of liked it. Saturday Night Like. Kind of liked it. Saturday Night Like. (laughs) (laughs) You had a huge, long, amazing run on that show. Uh, Yeah, I had a good time. I, uh, I, uh, you know, I I got on that show wanting to do uh, a lot of characters. My goal was to come up with a a variety of different characters, kind of like a Mike Myers. And uh, I think I did pretty good. When I when I was leaving the show, I remember Lorne Michaels telling me, saying that, uh, you know, you were a staple on the show. You'll always look back and be one of the staples. Well, I mean, obviously, you had, uh, you know, if you look at the, uh, the historical stats of the cast members mm-hmm. of Saturday Night Live, you're one of the, the longest-serving cast members. That's, that's I, th- a- I think so. I Well, you know, I, yeah, I, w- I, was, I was happy to have a lot of... Uh, a lot of the characters that I wrote or came up with ended up being reoccurring, which was always not just flattering, but it's easy to <laughs> yeah. to write uh, for in the future because uh, you know longevity and uh, um, being able to come up with stuff uh, creatively is is really the only way to exist on a show like that. You know, you don't just you're not like doing a you know a cast of Friends. You yeah. have people <laughs> writing for you. Um, but is, is that how it works? Like you, you were you were tasked with coming up with your own characters, and then you'd present them. Well, um, in the audition, for sure. Mm-hmm. But you know, you can't. You, you just um, just like in the in the business itself, you can't rely on other people. You mm-hmm. really it do you do ha- it does have to fall back on you. And um, so when it comes to like something new for yourself, uh, I mean, writers will help you, sure, for sure. But um, you know what you you do best, you know, as a creative person. You just do, and and you have the best answers for any questions that you might have. And um, so I had the best. Uh, I, I I just had a good vision. I, I mean, of course, I did run out of some steam. You know, I had a a lot of the characters I did, uh, like say the the mango character. Uh, was created at SNL, mm-hmm. um, but like say the Roxbury guys, I created that with Will Ferrell at the Groundlings. Uh, the Mr. Peepers, the monkey thing was created at the Groundlings. Which so is that, a, that's improv. That's the improv you, group yeah. in an LA-based improv troupe where I uh, started first. And um, see, I, I dabbled in improv for a little bit, but I did c- you? I just I was I was decent at it. I mm-hmm. just couldn't come up with characters, voices. Like that was my weakness. Yeah, I'm like you need you need it, it's, that. It's hard. It's yeah. um, you know I don't know the trick other than 
knowing how to go deep and um, being able to somehow learn how to write, you know? Sure. You have to... I mean, writing is really... Uh, and improvising, it's a task where you're literally kind of like letting anything come out of your mouth, but at the same time, you're editing it, you know? It's Understood, a, it's a yeah. very tricky way to do it, but... Um, you know, it's um, but it's but it's 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 hard. You can't come up. It's very hard to come. I mean, you know, hard to come up with characters like that all the time. It's I mean, it's, it's, you think about Peter Sellers or Mike Myers yeah. and these guys. You know, they're they're. But I mean, you, is you, a you limit came up with some great, legendary yeah. ones. I mean, the, the characters that when they do the retrospective fifty years from now, yeah, you'll be on there with well, I, a bunch of characters. I was excited when I got to go to the Saturday Night Live fortieth anniversary. How was that? It was was. Oh, tremendous. Yeah. It was like just... I mean, everybody described it as... Uh, uh, it was unbelievable. It was just un indescribable. I mean, it was like, you know, uh, there was a point where we all were, were all huddled huddled on the goodnight stage and like just to the right of me was Eddie Murphy and then there was Arcade Fire and Mick Jagger and Trump and, and you know, Derek Jeter and Farrell and, well, and it, it was just Bill Murray, it was Steve Martin. It was insane. It As was a viewer, insane. I was... I mean, I knew this was going to be an awesome, the special, the, the reunion was going to be awesome, but I was blown away by the fans in the audience, like yeah. the celebrities in the audience. Well, yeah, well, that's what's crazy, that you, uh, and I guess it's true, it's still hard to believe it, but these guys are fans of us, mm -hmm. and we're fans of them, yeah. and in a way, we're all part of the same team. I mean, really think about it, sure. and in that evening, nobody really had any... Uh, uh, there wasn't any separation in feeling like, uh, oh, there's uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Spielberg was there too, yeah. you know, like, there's Tom Hanks, leave him alone, you know, don't talk to him. But it was like, that was a night of like, well, that's the whole point of tonight. Yeah. We're all in the same class. Even like George Lucas and, and, and Prince and, you know, it's just, they <laughs> it were insane. all fans I, I of the I had a film. fan watching it. I can only imagine what it was like being yeah, it was, there. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And it was exciting too. I remember... Uh, you know, I was of course counting how many scenes I was in when they were showing the clips, and yeah, I was yeah. like, "Oh, poor!" Yeah. I was like, 15 <laughs> clips." I was like, "That's awesome, fifteen that is clips," really good. which is kind of neat. But I mean, it was just, it was just a real um, pleasure to be part of that. Uh, and, well, and, I'm proud of and, you. I've um, just met you, but I'm super proud of you. No, that, that, that's you. awesome. That, that really is, and it's also the neat, it's also neat too because it doesn't it doesn't separate you from being a success from the show. It actually kind of makes you part of a successful. Uh, institution sure. on its own and, and that makes you realize that that enough is, is really how it is that, Chris, I mean that's the best thing possible. Chris Catan in studio he's at Atlanta Improv tomorrow night tickets available for two shows 745 and 1015 Atlanta Improv dot com when you were a, just a regular cast member on the show mm -hmm. is there is there one um, show in particular that sticks out in your mind whether it was because of the host or a performance or anything that you look back and go that was SNL at its best when I was there. Well, there are, there are quite a few. I mean, for me, I would say the one that I got all my sketches in. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> yeah. that helps. Uh, I, I was I lucked out when I first got there. Lauren was uh, very uh, very lenient in letting me have my sketches or trying them out on the show, and he trusted me and what I came up with and what the audience would like. However the uh the table read the read throughs they were not uh, laughing mm -hmm. very much when I was hired I was hired like six weeks before before the end of the season which is a strange time yeah, to hire somebody um and I think some people felt a little threatened I could completely understand that and um 
you know, I, I was kind of, you know, in an alienated spot, uh, except for Farrell I knew very well, and, and he actually was the one that helped me get on the show because we were partners at Groundlings. And that you, poor guy just could he, never get his career off the ground. Yeah, huh? he just couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> um, but uh, he's such a good guy, and so, uh, and also we created a lot of stuff at the Groundlings, and without me we couldn't do him on the show, like the Roxbury sure. guys. And, and um, but, but uh, when I got there um i had a whole bag of tricks really and um you know and i and i tried them all out and they they seemed to be working and in fact i was i think i believe i, th I believe i was the first uh cast member uh feature player to ever get uh, uh, a sketch that i wrote on the first week that i wow. was on started and it was the first sketch of the whole night which opening is usually sketch. yeah opening sketch yeah. which is I think that was this the only time it's one. ever happened, and uh, and then it happened again the second week, and then it happened the third week. So obviously, so it's on that, this roll of like you're you're confident, but before you got there, when they said, "All right, we're bringing you in at the you know toward the end of the season," sure, were you you know intimidated, nervous? What was what was going through? Well, your head honestly, then? I was I was I, I I auditioned when Will auditioned and Sherry O'Terry and um, a few others, and. Um, I didn't get it. I didn't get it because I wasn't uh, at a Groundlings show where Lorne Michaels decided to come see us perform. And uh, nobody else in the Groundlings told me he was coming uh. while I was out of town, which is another, <laughs> I know, showbiz, you know, yeah. it just doesn't. <laughs> so uh, I wasn't hired. And then um, I was pretty, I was angry, yeah. you know, and disappointed and bummed out. And I was kind of, screw SNL, it sucks. And... <laughs> You know, the, I kept performing at the Growlings, and my sketches became, instead of four minutes, they were ten minutes, yeah. <laughs> you know, and just dragging it out and kind of... But that actually kind of made me a better performer in some ways. And then all of a sudden, Will called and said, hey, uh, Lauren wants you to do on the show. What do you think? Blah, blah, blah. I said, I guess, sure. Yeah. And uh, literally, it was like four days later, I was on the show, and I think my... my I was so comfortable... I think it was, I was very comfortable... Uh, because I think I at that point I not that I didn't care, but it the excitement was over. Gotcha. You know, because it was such a letdown that I didn't get it. That now it was like um, I'm ready to work. Yeah. You know, let's do this. Uh, let's do this. Well, that's, uh, that, that, you know, that probably I think that really, worked out better for you. Oh, oh, for sure, yeah. it definitely. Yeah, and it helped my sex life tremendously. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you. About, all right, so you go from uh, SNL, um, which is you know groundbreaking. Uh, improv, you're writing, and now you're on The Middle, which is an amazing, like, family-oriented sitcom. Mm -hmm. um, real quick, in like a minute if you can, um, what's it like being on a sitcom after doing an SNL kind of show? Um, well, I was, a, I was fortunate enough to do some films, too, um, when I got SNL, studio films, mm -hmm. so they had a, a, a pretty good budget, you know. There was the, f you know, the silly comedies like the Ro Roxbury and Corte Romano, but then there were some legitimate films like... Uh, uh, Robert Zemeckis did this House on Haunted Hill, so I got to work with like Jeffrey Rush and you know, and some good actors. And there was another, there's a few other films that were actually legitimately sure. where I had to do some acting stuff, and um, that really helped me. And, and um, do the um, actually also in theater, in, in when I was in school, I I was a big theater major, and I did a lot of like Tennessee Williams and The Crucible mm -hmm. and you know that kind of stuff. So I was I was. I don't know if I was a believable actor. I guess I was a pretty good actor, but <laughs> yeah, I, I was imagine. comfortable being serious. Um, but so that was uh, that that worked in my favor when um, it came time to um, 
to doing the middle because that was that was being very aware of the camera. However, uh, doing the middle was different because it wasn't about about of a it wasn't about a group so much as it was about Patricia. Sure, because <laughs> it was her show. Yeah, and uh, as talented as she is, uh, uh, you, there is a um, a respect that is uh, important to uh, c- you know that you need to. You know, be sure to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you have to respect. And there's nothing wrong with. I mean, obviously, I respected the guest hosts on the show yeah. of, when I was SNL, but they're that is a, an important thing, and I I didn't realize that. Like uh, to show up, you know, a little earlier than them, and because these things are important to uh, people. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> like that on when you're on a show like that. Interesting. And also making sure and, and goofing around. It's probably not a good idea, you know. <laughs> Where SNL was like goofing around, we're goofing around, like goof around, yeah. like goofing around was our creative process. Uh, for the middle was like, don't goof around, just Understood. do your lines, know your mark, you know, and just move on to the next. Uh, yeah, well, that you know? that pretty much answers my question. Like, and then everybody goes home sooner, you know. Yeah. And people have families, you know. And all the SNL were like, we just want to go out and party. Well, yeah, we just want to. We're just like we don't know what we're doing. We're exactly. just goofing around, and yet nobody tells us not to to stop. No yeah. one ever says, "Be quiet." Hey, shut up. We got to move on here. Basically, they are quiet because they're waiting for us to stop goofing around. Gotcha. And and I think that's a that's a different place where that is actually encouraged because that's part of the creative process. Something like the middle or sitcoms like that, where there's a lot of money involved, by the way, yeah, too. Absolutely. There's a studio, and they come down, and they say, you know, why are we at four? It's four o'clock. We're supposed <laughs> to be done at three. Yeah. There's a big difference behind it. So if you could nail your line, and I got good at it. You know, I definitely... Yeah, absolutely. So I had some preparation. I, I was good at getting my line out one or two, in the first take or two. So they always... Appreciated that. That's good. Um, can, you, can you hang out one more second? Sure. All right. Chris Kirkhan in studio. He's at Atlanta Improv this weekend. Tomorrow night. Get tickets, 745 and 1015. Two shows at AtlantaImprov.com. We'll be right back. This is The Mark Aram Show. Mark Aram on 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Welcome back to the Mark Aram Show. Joining me live in studio, uh, Chris Kattan. He is now doing stand-up, apparently. He'll be at the Atlanta Improv tonight, uh, or tomorrow night, rather, 745 and 1015. Tickets available online at AtlantaImprov.com. Chris, uh, before I let you go, we have a game here we'd like to play on the Mark Aram Show called... Now, it's time for... Who's in your phone? And I want you to pull out your phone and blow yeah. me away with someone like really super duper famous that you could just call. Do I show it to you or you just say it? You could say it and show it to me. I mean. Okay. Let's see. <laughs> I have I have a few. If they're been disconnected since then, I don't know. <laughs> that's, not, that's not on your shoulders. That if they okay, didn't wait, pay their okay. bill, then. Here's, um, so I'll just show it to you. Okay. Can I say it out loud? Yeah. Cameron Diaz is in his phone. Wow. Pretty good, right? That's very good. Oh, wait. Here's a really good one because it has all her connections. Uh-oh. Like all all her numbers and emails and address and everything. Wow. That's as an 80s baby. That's, that's a good one. Drew Barrymore, ladies has and gentlemen. Has her home, mobile, other, and work. I adore her. Two emails 
and address. You beat uh, you beat uh, Patricia Heaton, who had who, Justin Justine Bateman, who is cute as a bug. <laughs> no, loved but that's her, a good one. But uh, but that's amazing. Very cool. Ooh, All right, uh, Chris, can we follow you on social media websites? Yes, please. Because uh, I only have like three followers. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's at Chris Catan. C H R I S K A T T A N. Done and done. Following you now, my friend. Tomorrow night, Atlanta Improv, seven fourteen and ten fifteen. Here's a, you got another one. I'm excited. This is a weird. This means like I gotta get. I still have Heath Ledger in here. Oh no, you can't delete it though. You keep it in there. <laughs> you keep that in there. Yeah, I keep. I've all got right. a bunch of people that have passed that are still on my phone. <laughs> this is a weird thing Not to have. At all. Like I still have their. <laughs> Phone number, but I guess it's it's. Uh, I guess the phone will be a, a fun thing to have. Well, you can call Peter Falk. I have Peter Falk in here. <laughs> Jimmy Fallon, Will Ferrell, that. Tina Fey. Well, those are all like SNL people, though. Obviously, those people would be there unless that's amazing. Amazing, and you know what? In six months, call Ledger's phone. And whoever answers back, by the way, you have Heath Ledger's old <laughs> phone number, and then hang up. <laughs> you know, John Lovitz plays this game, and he does say, like, who you got, who's more famous in your phone? And he always pulls out um, Tom Hanks. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. You can't really talk that. That's good. Chris, no, thanks, that good thanks so much for coming into the show. Oh, of course. It was um, fun. Best luck in the future. Thank and, you. Uh, and we'll see you again soon. Please. And enjoy, uh, if you come to the show, enjoy it. Absolutely. Yeah. And you look great in purple. <laughs> Thank you. Too buddy. bad the viewers can't see it, but oh my God, it's <laughs> news, a joy. News, weather, and traffic. Next, this is the Mark Aram Show. I'm WSB's Mark Aram. The WSB 24 Hour Breaking News Center is on alert. alert. With immediate breaking news, severe weather alerts, traffic red alerts from Cobb to Cherokee, Carroll to Gwinnett, Fulton to Forsyth, and all the rest. All the rest. WSB. WSB. Depend on it. This is WSB Radio reporter and anchor Bill Cacciaccio, and you're listening to The Mark Aram Show. Just be thankful you don't have to watch him eat. Monday through Friday on News 95.5 AM 750 WS. Serious question. <laughs> okay. If you had to go out of town with wifey mm-hmm. and you needed a babysitter, who would you prefer watch your kid, me or Low T Chuck? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no pressure. Um, I'd say you, I guess. Really? Yeah, you're married. That's true. You're more settled down. Little than T. This Chuck's one. just got a bevy yeah, of he's females gonna, coming through his door. Yeah, he's going to give her a yeah, bottle and then <laughs> and then go outside and go out. And, or he's, something. and he's from Montana. Too, yeah, so yeah. We don't know shady. how they do stuff in Montana. Uh, the headline on <laughs> throw a clean diaper on him, put him in the back there. They're on fine. a him, it's a girl. Yeah, it's a girl. Uh, anyway, the headline on myajc.com says it all: allegations of improper benefits. Ground Georgia's girly. Every time I'm out, they pull me back in. Georgia, being a Georgia fan is just so frustrating because every time you think you're on the precipice of a championship, a title, something like this pops up. Joining us live now, uh, a columnist extraordinaire from your Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He is Jeff Schultz. Jeff, I I just don't know how lifelong Bulldogs fans can even have 
any any hair left on their head after year after year of thinking they're so close and then pulling the, pulling the carpet out from underneath them. And again, this year, it's something entirely new. Well, as somebody who lost their hair 10, 15 <laughs> years ago, I'm sympathetic with their plight. <laughs> well, well, all right, so just, if, if people are just getting in their car, allegations yeah. have surfaced that Todd Gurley was selling autographs and or memorabilia. In a preemptive move, UGA suspended him indefinitely pending an investigation. The NCAA didn't suspend him yet, but Georgia did. What, what's, the, what's the story here, Jeff? What the hell is going on? Well, I mean, you know, left unsaid too, and it might have actually been in Chip Tower's story, is if it's, if it's found that Todd Gurley basically profited off his likeness by selling autographs or memorabilia or whatever, um, and he did this, let's say, you know, in the spring or in the summer, technically any game he played in, um, he would have been ineligible, which means Georgia would have to, would have to forfeit those games. So really... When you think about it, it might not just be Todd Gurley not playing Saturday or not playing the rest of the year. If if whatever he did, if he actually did it, and, and the NCAA can prove it, and those are obviously a couple of big ifs, you know, the, his ineligibility goes back to when he first did it, and therefore um, Georgia could be forfeiting some, well, it's four wins, um, or up to four wins. So. I, what happens is, I mean, you know, if you if you think about the A.J. Green thing back in 2010, um, Georgia was informed that the NCAA was looking into what we then learned was the possibility that A.J. had, had sold an Independence Bowl jersey, which I still maintain that he should have been given an honorary MBA for, actually. <laughs> um, I mean, it wasn't even a BCS Bowl. Yeah, Independence Bowl. Bowl. You got a thousand bucks for it. I mean... <laughs> Um, he must have at least walked through the hallway of Terry School of Business <laughs> in the UGA. So, um, and but you recall that Georgia actually suspended him before the NCAA did. Correct. Um, and it was, I think, after the second game where where Georgia suspended him four games or announced a four game suspension, and the NCAA said, "Yeah, we're good with that," because that's what they were going to do mm-hmm. for um, for the jersey. Do we so, know? Do we know, Jeff, how any of this has uh, came to light? Like, how did, how were uh, UGA officials, how were the NCAA tipped off to the fact that maybe Gurley was selling autographs and/or memorabilia? Do we know yet? We don't have confirmations or specifics, but I mean, in general, these things are done because you know an agent got jilted, or because somebody found out about it, um, found out that he had done this, and maybe wanted to get compensated for it and didn't, or just somebody, you know, set him up and had an axe to grind. Um, frankly, and, and I, I know that Georgia fans would be upset about any of those circumstances, and certainly Georgia fans are upset about the way things are set up here, um, a period, which is that players can't compensate, uh, can't be compensated for the likeness. Uh, the NCAA basically was just blown up in court um, in, in the Ed O'Bannon case, saying you can't do that, and and you know I would imagine that thing's under appeal, and it's going to be a while since until the NCAA changes rules. But the bottom line is, regardless of how this happened or why this happened or who leaked it to the NCAA, you know the rules are the rules until they're not the rules. And I, I again, I you know I'm getting assaulted by some some Georgia fans on Twitter, mm-hmm. which was to be expected, but. You know and I know that if this was an Alabama player or a Florida player or, or an Auburn player, of course, 
you know, they'd all be saying, get him out of there. He's, he's ineligible. Um, but that's just the way fans are. Jeff Schultz from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution uh, joining us on the line here, talking about the Todd Gurley case. Uh, in, in 17 seconds, I just searched um, on eBay Todd Gurley autographs, and there were 211, right. and 64 of them are coming from one salesman, uh, James Spence. And Anthony Amy from Channel 2 uh, right. said that 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 dealer's name has come up. How would a dealer get 64 uh, certified autographs of one player unless there was something uh, nefarious going on? No, I mean, you're exactly right, if, if, assuming that's legitimate. You know, look, it's one thing for for you to go up to Todd Gurley, say, can you autograph my jersey? Mm-hmm. And, and he autographs it, and then you go, you turn around and put that thing on eBay and, and try to sell it for a couple hundred bucks. You know, Todd Gurley is not profiting from that, and, and he can't. He's not on the hook for that. But for an autog- if it's true that a memorabilia dealer has, and, you know, we've looked, and it's like over 300, I think, items, which mm-hmm. are these mini helmets, whatever, that he's got that many items allegedly signed by Todd Gurley with certificates of authenticity, um, then you're right. I mean, that, that basically means that Todd Gurley sat there and signed items. Um, he didn't just, this guy didn't just keep, you know, waiting out Todd Gurley outside of locker rooms during the week or sure. something. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's damning. But, you know, the, in the end, much like the Manziel case, the NCAA is still going to need to find a money trail. And I think that's the big question here. Are they going to be able to prove that Todd Gurley got paid for this? What What does this mean for the uh, short-term prospects of the team this year, Jeff? <laughs> well, we're going to find out a lot about Saturday, uh, Saturday mm-hmm. um, because, you know, Missouri's not the great team it was um, last year, but or a very good team it was last year, but they're still pretty good, and they're tough at home, and it's an SEC road game. And, you know, the problem is that while Georgia's a good team probably without Gurley, They've kind of proven to be one-dimensional. They mm-hmm. haven't shown a passing game yet. And, you know, we think Nick Chubb is good. He certainly looks good, but he's not hes not the difference maker Gurley is. I mean, he's the best player in the country. So we'll find out Saturday, but, I mean, I, I think it's a huge step back for, for the team. And, and, we'll, and I'm sitting here wondering, you know, I grew up in the Northeast. I didn't have a favorite college football team. I came to work at WSB. I adopted the Bulldogs, so I've been a fan of them for 17 years. And now I'm second-guessing myself. Shouldn't I have been a fan of Vandy or Duke? <laughs> that way I know what's going to happen every year. I don't have these huge expectations every year, and it never comes to fruition. It's so frustrating to be a Bulldogs fan. Well, you know, I went to Long Beach State, um, and they dropped football altogether. So <laughs> in, in that sense, my, and by the way, coincidentally, the, the program was killed by Dan Radakovich when he was there. So... Um, I still give him grief for that. Nice, um, but but, you, but then you don't even have to worry about it if you don't even have I don't a team. Have to worry about yeah. It. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like every year. Like, how did they not win with Stafford and Marino? How did they not win a national title that year? Yeah, I'm I'm I, I'm with you, and I and I understand the frustration. And you know, who knows? Even with Gurley in the lineup every game this year, what would have happened? Um, but yeah, you had to like their chances certainly to win the East and. You know, they did obviously pretty well against Alabama last time. They almost won that game. Exactly. And, and this is the year, the first year of the playoffs. I think that's why the other the other reason why people are excited, that it wasn't just going to be two people competing for a championship. It was going to be four or four teams. So, um I mean, even uh, after the even after the loss to South Carolina, it was like okay, they could still win the SEC East. It could still be 
a great season. And then, th- and then, then I have to I have to wake up from my mat my nap today with this news on my pillow. So frustrating. All right, he well, is. At least you got at least you got the Falcons. No way. <laughs> he is Jeff Schultz. He is uh, on the uh, AJC. A great columnist. He's on Twitter. He's a must follow at Jeff Schultz AJC. Jeff, uh, thanks for staying up late with us, buddy. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. All right, take care, Jeff Schultz from the Learner Journal Constitution. I'm just I'm just like, oh, why am I? How come I didn't root for Vanderbilt? I don't know. You're like every Cubs fan and Bears fan yeah. every year. No. Like you, yeah, it's the same. It's different because the Cubs ah. suck every year. You know going in, you know, once every 20 years, they, oh, maybe. But every year it's like, wow, George is going to be good. We're top 10. We're we're going to, boom, well, every you, year you get punched in the face. Well, then you should just assume that you suck no matter what they tell you. And they I try. Tell you that they're I good. try to just do that. Like, ah, they still suck. Here, I, I, I was raised <laughs> at, at the, uh, the right hand of Larry Munson. Mm-hmm. Like I ha- was so lucky to for so many years to be in the Georgia broadcast booth and and watch and listen to Larry Munson, the biggest pessimistic dog fan there is. So I learned to be a dog fan from Larry Munson. So mm-hmm. I am eternally pessimistic, just like he was. It's never gonna happen. We don't have enough men. We did. like that's how I became a Georgia Bulldog fan. But even in my depths, the depths of my pessimism, I go, oh, my God. Still that little There's that ray of hope. hope like, yeah. oh, we could do this. We could run the table. We could, And then, bam, I get punched in the freaking face again. Julie in Woodstock, I shall not lay hands on you, Julie. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Mark. How you doing? What's up, buddy? Well, I'll tell you what. This is not just a Georgia problem because I am an FSU alum, and look at our scummy bag quarterback. Mr. Jameis, who got the big head and, you know, started doing all kinds of stupid stuff. I think the biggest problem is the temptation for these guys is so great. The social media, the spotlight on them all the time, the free stuff that they give people. I mean, come on. Tallahassee, you can get anything you want if you're the star Crab legs included. Just like you can if you're Todd Gurley. The temptation is so great. That I think that these guys are just saying, you know, and I'm not but saying. But here's the here's the issue though. Here's the issue, Julie. But I'm just saying it's too much. And and I can't listen. The temp the temptation is crazy. If I was 20 years old and someone said to me, "Sign your name a hundred times, and I'm going to give you five thousand dollars," what 19 year old is not going to be like, "Okay, whatever you want." But the but the precedents are there. They've they've seen these athletes have seen what happens. If you risk that short term gain, you could lose so much the rest of your career. He theoretically, Todd Gurley could never might never play a game for Georgia now because he's going to the NFL next year anyway. He might have just that five thousand dollars cost him his final eight games of his college career. It could be that way. Is that yeah, worth it? And if he well, and it, it didn't. I'd be curious to see where he goes in the draft. How does this drop? Well, it doesn't affect him. You don't think so no. at all? <laughs> no. I don't know. He doesn't play for that long. I mean, does somebody wait to pick him up instead of picking him up? You know, I, no. I'm just saying, it will, will it, would it affect? Because it could. NFL doesn't give a rat's you don't tail think? about, no. no. They're, they're like, how fast can you run? How yeah. strong are you? Okay, you're good. Yeah, he'll go somewhere. So then who cares? Besides you guys, besides the fan, who cares? No, it's the fans that care. Oh, well then, yeah. yeah. But Again, he's the rare cares? exception. That is, he is going to be a first-round pick in the NFL. Right. Um, there are other, there are other people that aren't going to be making millions shortly that mm-hmm. are, are violating these NCAA rules. Um, 
it's it I, it's such a difficult thing to to even think about because again when i was his age i was a moron there's no i would have done yeah five thousand dollars i'll sign my name whatever i'll do whatever you want five thousand bucks but it's it's just as a fan it's like oh i'm so frustrated and i'm not even a lifelong fan i'm a freaking yankee you know i'm a Mm -hmm. i'm a 17 year fan there's there's 75 year old bulldog fans out there that have been rooting for the team their whole lives it's I feel for you, man. Every year, it's something else. I should have been a Vandy fan. Should have been a Duke fan. I wouldn't be dealing with this. Unbelievable. Who's the worst team in the uh, Big Ten? Indiana. Should have been an Indiana fan. Your thoughts on this? 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. Brokenhearted by a girly. This is the Mark Aram Show. Mark Aram on 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Uh, back to the phones we go. Kelly is in Athens, hitting close to home tonight. Kelly, how you doing, buddy? Hey. What do you think of this um, whole deal? I think it's ridiculous. As far as I'm concerned, he could have signed all that for charity. I think he's been set up. And uh, we got kids, uh, a few of them parked in front of the stadium with candles at number three, so... You know, it's just wrong. I think he's way too smart for that. I think he's set up. You think he's set up? All right, interesting. That That's possible. Listen, innocent until proven guilty. I don't like the fact that there's 230 of his signatures on eBay right now. That seems high. Uh, soy Sauce Pete, alive and well. He'll join us next after news, weather, and traffic, along with uh, Richard and Bill and you. 404-872-0750. This is the Mark Aram Show. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.